the thing to do is old guys go there in the winter time and oh. and they ice fish in these oh. in these little huts and we were like how much do you have to hate your family to to sit in a hut on a frozen lake when it's negative 10 and just drop a line straight down and wait what's up boss this is abraham's wallet we span the gap between the austerity of obedience to god and the prosperity rising from faithfulness run your home and your dough like a biblical boss It's a, it's another rousing edition of the Abraham's Wallet podcast. It's happening right now. That's right. And how are you today? I'm good. I just got off of an hour-long accounting forensics call with to try to figure out some issues in, in our other company's books. So that was a fun way oh. to start your Friday. Um, oh. Everything's fine. We were just trying to make numbers tie off and digging through 2020 oh. records to figure out which $10 charge was misplaced because we have to be very accurate with these types of things. Oh, forensics makes it sound like the police are coming after you or your yeah, I know. I felt like I should have like a lab coat and be, you know, I don't know. I've never watched those CSI shows, but that's what Nor I, have I associate that word with. Now, I have many questions leading into today's conversation. One is, um, have you heard my rant intro to Steven episode? Yes, I did. I really enjoyed that episode. Well, this is just the way that life works. Having an outlet for something that your brain tinkers with. If you have a, if you have a hobby, by the way, what happened to hobbies? You ever notice people don't have hobbies? No, because I have so many hobbies. Yes, but most people, they go to their work, they eat food, they consume entertainment. And they don't have things that they're curious about or getting better at. Anyways, it's troubling to me. I, I'm like pro-hobby. Netflix is considered a hobby in our culture. Is what yeah, that's saying. right. Okay. Oh, no, not uh, not Netflix. I do Disney+. Plus. Okay, that's not, that doesn't, that's not build personality or whatever um the things that we uh give attention to whatever it is those things expand in our minds right whatever we whatever we give a little bit of energy to we find that there's a whole world inside of our minds that we start picking up stuff all the time right isn't that true yeah so just giving some little voice to um, my church rant and having a space in my brain where I'm making observations. So I, it was, it was quite a while ago I ranted about worship in church. Then I had that rant on my little intro episode. I, I have a list of 10 rants that are just growing in my brain that are just, I'm just full of, I'm just full of rants because I'm aware, I'm aware-ish of things that happen in church life. I see things happening in the news that are problems with Christianity and organized church life. Anyways, I just see, I just see issues everywhere. And I think, I feel like 
if people didn't already know this, that Christianity in the USA in 2021 is in major crisis. And I don't think people understand what, what's dangerous about what's going on. Or generally edifying to the church. Well, y- yes. Listen, <laughs> I thought the, yes. the last two, I thought this is great. This is helpful. But I can think of a lot of rants. That yeah, might not when be. I say rant, I, when I say rant, I don't mean uh, stompy. Um, you know what their problem is? I, I don't mean uh, articulated complaining. I mean that you, it's, it's easy to spot the core lie that's been, that, is, that we're seeing evidenced in various things. And it just, just the way my brain works is that I just get wound up going like, I wish I had a platform uh, on the city, the steps of city hall, and I could speak to everyone and just go, look, the, here's the lie that's happening here. This is why this is happening. Well, the reason I ask is because our listeners, although they know you far better now than they did before your your intro podcast. Yeah, that's right. Oh, we're good friends They now. don't know you at age 24 when you were known to occasionally stand at the back of a Baptist church and physically shake dust off your sandals uh, before walking out and telling them they were all <laughs> dum-dums. So, easy, easy. I, I mean, the gentle and thoughtful <laughs> Stephen of today... Um, I'm sure would never do a harmful rant, but no, the no, Stephen no. that I knew as a young boy might have struggled to need a little correction there, right? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I'm sure I've been tempered by time and pain. Um, and when I say rant, I, I just mean um, there, are is- there are creeping issues, just like what, what worship really is. I don't need to spend a lot of time finger wagging to go, there's some truth here that I don't think people understand. And if they did, they wouldn't act this way. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do this. Anyhow, it made me think someday, maybe in my retirement years, I'll have another podcast that's just called Church Rants. You know, there's a spot that, that is near our house that my brother-in-law and I were talking about the, the thing to do is old guys go there in the winter time and oh. and they ice fish in these oh. in these little huts and we were like how much do you have to hate your family to <laughs> to sit in a hut on a frozen lake when it's negative 10 and just drop a line straight down and wait uh, for hours but that being said uh I, I don't know if this is because of that movie grumpy old men but I think it would be fun as a retired old guy who didn't have kids in the house and, you know, maybe my wife yeah. is home occupied to go sit out on the lake and, and do just some ranting, whether it's recorded or not. Well, yeah, I was just thinking you could, we could combine these pursuits. You put some audio equipment in that hut, you're ice fishing on your ranting. Exactly. That that feels to me like the ideal activity to there could be so we could get one of these fancy microphones and put it down so you had a little sloshing water noises and you know occasionally hear the of a keystone light being cracked open Uh, if if there was a wise gray beard who was doing that i would love that 
Because then, because then he could go. Oh, I've got to fiddle with this. Oh, I got to. I pulled something up here. What is this thing? Oh, that's not going to be at all. That's not big enough. Put. I'm put that back. Let me uh, re rebate this hook. And then he goes back on to his talking about uh, church government. It's not unlike the it. time I've spent on a dock with Roger Manuel, your dad. I mean, he'll just be <laughs> one second. He's trying to to manage the stink bait and the next second he's (laughs) throwing you a a wisdom bomb and then yeah 10 10 minutes later he's in the house and linda's saying why'd you come in the house with all that stink bait on you yeah that's right okay let's let's zing through my the questions that i have for you today so we we talked last week about some stuff in your world i'd like some updates okay you talked about the treats, the organic treats that you inherited slash stole from your aunt and uncle. How are those treats going? I, I want an update. They're delicious. My wife said to me this morning, you know, these are really convenient and I can just dump them in the blender and have a smoothie. And how much do they, co- how much do they cost if we were to buy these? And ah. I said like four and a half dollars each. And she said, but it is convenient and that's still cheaper than a Jamba juice. And I said... It's not that convenient. I will buy you bags of fruit at Costco and teach you how to make a smoothie in less than one minute that will cost you like 30 cents. So I, they're good. I don't recommend them. Di- and, do you have a, and do you have a fancy $400 Vitamix that can smash ice up in a delicious way? I do because I used to work for a company for whom Vitamix was a client. So I have okay. a Vitamix that I got for $50. All right. And if Vitamix wants to sponsor this podcast, who do they call? Yeah, I don't know. We we don't need another okay. blender, so I don't really want okay, that sponsor. Okay, next, next question. You mentioned medical issues. Has there been some resolution for you? Um, my admonition to the guys listening is if you see two of things when you should only see one, <laughs> go, get thee to an emergency room because there's lots of uh-huh. very scary things that can happen. Um. I'm thankful that I'm starting to see one of things most of the time, and uh, I don't seem to have the really scary things, but we're still chasing that down a little bit. Uh, and yeah, I was very miserable for a week of not being able to see much at all. Okay, so you had double vision, it's being resolved, and it's not uh, life-threatening. Right. It has most likely ended my pursuit of powerlifting as a hobby, though, because that's a longer story, but that's one of the things that might have led to my uh, double vision issue. That's fine. I, I like you lean anyways, so you'll, you'll be fine. You can go back to cycling or, well, cycling, you got the big thighs. Maybe uh, I'm actually you know, very excited running. about CrossFit as a... Okay. Hobby because my wife goes every morning and our kids are now old enough that we can do that together every day and be done working out by 7 a.m. Great. Two more questions. You mentioned uh, uh, the possible acquisition of family asset. Is there anything you can share there? Yeah, we're in progress on trying to acquire a family asset right by the ice fishing lake. So oh, we'll see. A piece of property? Yes. Um we have been trying to secure a location in this particular area of Utah that's the only place I know of where you can have a lake and a ski mountain and a golf course and all the fun stuff in one spot. It's better than Park City. Park City is mostly lame, just in case anybody's 
listening and curious about that. Um, and so we've been trying to get up there forever. We are deeper into the process of buying a place than we've ever been. However, we've also been pretty deep before and it fell apart. So not counting any chickens until they're hatched. Okay, excellent. Park City, because since you brought it up, the site of Sundance, which is my, my one little uh, my one little experience with Sundance was that my, I have to tell this tale, I, I lived with a guy, my roommate um, sold his... Uh, Nissan his used car and made a movie with the money and um everybody said he was stupid and nuts he quit his he quit his I don't know 70k engineering job to make a movie borrowed money from friends to turn it into a 35 millimeter print entered it into Sundance dot 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 one Sundance he won it and that movie, which some people may have seen come across, is Primer. And uh, it was made by a guy named Shane Carruth, who was my roommate good back, in, back in Dallas days. Isn't that crazy? And that was, uh, that was the old Sundance Film Festival in Park Cities. A fun, a fun thing to say about that, I know people wondering when we're going to start talking about money, but this is fascinating to me. Um. I told him I wanted to help him with the movie because I like that kind of stuff. And uh, we met and talked about it. And uh, uh, sort of a year later when the thing was in like post-production, I was like, man, I now everything seems to be going okay with this. Why didn't you, why didn't you offer me a, a part in your movie? Because I wanted to kind of be a part of it. And he, he was completely nonplussing. He said, I was going to offer you the other lead role, but you never asked for it. So I didn't, I didn't know that you, isn't that crazy? That reminds I had no me of the time. Do you think you would have been a good film actor? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have, I have no reason to think that I would. I mean, but. I think we should praise the Lord that you didn't take that opportunity because then you could have ended up in LA and. Uh, yeah, life well, that you would have had to. <laughs> I don't know. You've got plenty of friends who have either done L.A. trying to make that scene or Nashville true. trying to make the music scene, and it feels true. like it's kind of like. I always think the worst fate um, a young man can have is being pretty stinking good at baseball, because there's a lot of jobs that pay like enough to barely eat in baseball. Right. Oh, um, well, that's true. But not so many that the you know put you in the big leagues i feel like acting yep. and, and music and stuff like that could probably be the same this reminds me of another another possibly life-changing brush was when i went, met rich mullins if anybody remembers that guy uh in in scotland and had had a meal with him and he asked me to sit in with the band you had a meal and with rich mullins yeah what i did not yeah. know that Wow. Yeah. Should we take the time to tell this tale? I lived in I lived in northern England. He was going to come to Scotland to my friend Carl Nyquist's uh, little, little church. And I remember seeing the things and going like, Rich Mullins is not coming here. And people were going, no, 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 Rich Mullins. Not the American Rich Mullins. Not the guy that wrote Awesome God. They're like, no, no, that's the guy. He's coming here. And I was thinking, this is crazy. 
So I grabbed one, uh, one young man, he was about 15, my little disciple named Phil, who's now uh, uh, in ministry in Australia. And I said, we're, we're going to drive up to Scotland for this concert. And so we got there plenty early. I was worried about traffic. We got there plenty early and we ate um, in the little cafe that's part of the part of the church thing. A lot of churches do that in England. They, they, they kind of make money with a cafe or a little bookstore or something. So we walked into this place and I see guitarist Jimmy Abeg lined up in the, in the cafe. I mean, there's like six people there and I'm like, I know who that is. Um, I'm seeing all the members of Rich's band, all of whom I know. I mean, I've been following Jimmy Abeg since he played with Charlie Peacock in the 80s. And I know all of these guys. I know I know their careers. And I I I was ordering in the line and one of them turned around to me and said, you have an American accent. I said, yeah. Well, what are you what are you doing here? Uh, I'm a short term missionary here. You are. Well, Rich would be very interested to talk to you. Okay. I was, you know, I'm peeing in my pants and, and anyways, I sit down and Rich Mullins plops himself, slots right in across from me at the booth. So Jimmy tells me you're a missionary. And so we have a conversation right there. And one of the things he said is, you know, if you're not going to be doing mission work forever, what do you want to do? I said, I kind of want to do what you're doing. I'm a songwriter. That's basically what I, and he said, uh, do you have a demo tape for me? I said, no, I'm kind of enjoying, I said, I, I have plenty of songs, but I, I'm kind of enjoying what we've got going right here. I, I, I'm not trying to turn this into some kind of transaction. I, that's my idealism talking. I should have said, I'll get you one by six o'clock. Um, but he said, uh, oh, that, well, that's kind of refreshing. Everybody else wants to turn relationship with me into a transaction. I said, well, good. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to do that. He goes, um, well, so you, I mean, I presume, you know, some of my music. I said, yeah, I know a lot of your music. Well, do you want to sit in with the band tonight? You could just, you could, what do you play? I play piano. You want to play piano with us tonight? And me at my age now, I would go, sure, I'll pull it off. Just tell me what key we're in. I'll, but at that age, I, I just, I don't know. I demurred for some reason and just said, oh no, come on. That's, you're being silly. no. Um, so I didn't do it. And then, and then we'd had such a good conversation after the concert, I went up and said bye to the guys. Hey, really appreciate it. Went and spoke to Rich and he goes, Hey, we're going to be in Cambridge, um, next week. Why don't you meet us down there? And, and, uh, I was like, Oh, I, I got to preach that day. It's uh, I've got an appointment. I'm sorry. Anyways, great to meet you guys. So long. That was it. Well, that's interesting. I feel like it's <laughs> mind blowing to me that I've never heard this story before. He, yeah, I used to keep a photo of of me and Rich in that day somewhere in my apartment. So you you may have seen that, and I just never forced that story on you. Huh. But yeah, cool. Well, Rich also had some band members that went through tough times after he was gone. So maybe it was for the Is better. He- he certainly did. Yep. I, I have to assume that, that uh, when these 
when these windows pass before the monitor of our lives and you can either jump through them and change your life or not, I assume that the, I assume I jumped through the right ones and the right ones passed. We're not going to tell the story today, but I just want to tease it for a future episode that we someday will on this podcast, will tell the story of when you had a similar encounter with Ozzy Osbourne. Oh yeah. And sure. he also asked if that. you wanted to sit in and play, uh, <laughs> Play the double neck guitar for one of their concerts, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Could I could I replace Randy Rhodes when he plays Running with the Devil? No. I, yeah. Anyhow. Yes. Well. All right. We're here to talk about 401ks today, which. Uh, yes. This has been another episode of Get to Know Stephen a little bit more. So sorry about all that, but I hope the tales were entertaining. Yes. Please talk to us about. The 401k mark, that's what the, that's what the, everybody, whenever we pressed on the button, it said that you were going to talk about 401ks and it's been 20 minutes now and now we haven't talked about that. Well, a lot of people have them. I I wanted to cover some of the basics of what they are. Um, And it's one of the most common thing, questions I get as a financial planner is, so we manage money for people. That means they transfer it over to accounts that we have the permission to trade and we can invest it and allocate it and do all the things we do. Um, That's easy, but very rarely is it the right move for one of these people to hand us their 401k. Usually there would be big penalties associated with moving it. We'll talk about that for a second. Um, So they're on the hook for managing it. So a lot of times I'll do a screen share with somebody and we'll actually go step by step and invest their 401k. But here at the Abraham's Wallet podcast, we don't like to say that the only way you can get access to that type of uh, expertise is is through um, being a client. Some people shouldn't be a client yet, but they have a 401k. So I just thought, hey, we should help them understand a kind of a DIY. How should I invest my 401k? I think that would be very helpful. And you have a 401k uh, that... The, you're in the same position of sort of recently switched a job and need to do something with it. So maybe there will even be some, some things in here that are applicable to you, Stephen. Yes, we can, we can talk about, uh, I don't actually have a 401k. I have, I've had something that's closely related. We'll get to that eventually. Okay. So when I say 401k in this episode, I'm going to talk about the family of retirement accounts that the government has decided, hey, we think it's a good thing for people to be able to set some money aside uh, that has tax benefits so that they can save for retirement and we don't have to take care of them in their old age when they don't have any money. So there's a few ways that the government thinks they can help with that. The main one is probably Social Security where anytime you earn money, some of it has to go into a fund, and that fund slowly runs out of money, but for now, it pays people an income once they hit a certain age. Uh, But the other main way that the government is trying to help people provide income for themselves when they get to the age where they're probably no longer earning income is to give them tax incentives to save in these special types of accounts. 401ks are kind of the one that most people hear about, But there's something called a 403B, which is what I think you had, Stephen. And that account is you, it's 
functionally very, very similar to a 401k. Every rule I talk about today will probably apply to both. Um, but it's usually used by nonprofits or churches or things like that, uh, educational institutions. Uh, there's a 401a that we're not going to talk about quite as much, but similar rules. Um, and then there's 457 plans, which if you've got one of those at work, we're not going to talk about those today. That's deferred compensation. Uh, and those have a whole different set of rules and they're very different. So, But a 457 plan is not the same as 401k, 403b. And the last well, 457 is a hauling mother, though. You get that thing you get that going engine and... tuned up with Woo! jetted carbs. Yeah. Um, now, do you know the history of the 401k, Mark? Well, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me that because then I would have learned it. But uh, I was hoping that you wouldn't because I can share it with you. Great. It, it it's named after a section of the tax code that um, that that I, I would. It didn't create them, it allowed for them. It was the Revenue Act of 1978. And it, it wasn't on the uh, government's brain that things would work the, the way that they do now. But there was a benefits consultant in 1980 that discovered, well, based on the way they've written the tax code, you could, seems like you could take out this money and it could grow on the side and the and in 1981, the IRS started issuing guidance that allowed for you to do this thing that they had accidentally made a, a room for in 1978. Um, and, and 401k is a nice nickname for Title 26, Subtitle A, Chapter 1, Subchapter D, Part 1, Subpart A, Section 401. So 401k is a little bit easier to say. Anyways, that's how the 401k as we know it came to be. Great. Um, that's a great bedtime story. You could tell that to your kids. Yeah, I almost was out by the time you were done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other type of retirement account that you might have access to uh, is a pension plan. There's a whole bunch of different types of pension plans, but the, the really cool ones are from when your grandpa worked for the railroad for his whole life and uh, they'd give him basically his full income for the rest of his life when he was done. Um, my wife's grandpa worked for GM and his, her 95-year-old grandmother still receives pension payments from his time as a steel buyer back in Detroit. That's a friggin' deal right there. Yeah. Um, military, you might have a pension, uh, which is, uh, cool and allows you to do a, do that job that maybe doesn't pay as much up front, but does have some benefits that last a long time. But most pensions are gone because with a 401k, as we'll find out, you get to save your money and choose how it gets invested. And, uh, you can choose not to participate or you can participate, but the risk of the investment is on you. So you could leave it all in cash in your 401k, and then pretty much you're going to have what you put in there when you retire. Or you could invest it in very risky things. Uh, with a pension, there, there's different types of pensions, but the old school GM pension that I was referring to, the company was on the hook. So they gave you a defined benefit that would say, here is how much we will pay you when you're retired forever. And if they didn't get good investment returns, they still owe you what they said they would pay you. So uh, most of those have gone away because the companies don't like to have that liability on their books. 
So the 401k has become very popular and many people uh, that work for small, medium or large size companies have access to a 401k or a 403b. All right. So a lot of people have them. So what are the what are, what are they? The basic rules that I think are important to know about these types of accounts are um, you get to put money in generally pre-tax. So money can go into this account before it gets taxed. If you make $1,000 a week and you were deciding to put $100 of that into your 401k, you would only pay taxes on $900. Um, so that's the main benefit is it goes in pre-tax and then it grows pre-tax. Well, what does that mean? When you have an investment account, um, it, let's say you buy a bond and it pays a thousand dollar bond pays you five fifty dollars a year of of interest. Well, you owe taxes on that fifty dollars. So the investments inside your account can produce taxable income. With a four hundred one k, the government says you don't have to pay any of that. Um, now, okay, so let's talk about what this means to your tax return. Sure. So the 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 way your tax return works is if you make so much money, there's these levels, you get bumped into higher tax brackets. If you make more money, you pay more taxes. If you're telling me that the way that I work my 401k means I could effectively decrease the amount of income that sh that's, that I'm actually getting back, can I, can I give more money to my 401k so I can make my perceived income go down and not be in a more painful tax bracket? Yeah, so that's a good question. There's really a, a few ways that you can... Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. There's a few ways you can drop your taxable income that could have a big impact on your tax bill at the end of the year. Contributing to retirement accounts, one of them. So yes, uh, there is a little catch there that I was going to oh. mention. The traditional 401k is the type I talked about where you don't have to pay taxes on what goes in. You, there's also something called a Roth 401k. I think we've talked about Roth IRAs on this podcast a bunch where you put money in that you've already paid taxes on and then you don't have to pay taxes when it comes out. Um, those aren't going to change your tax because you are paying tax on the money and then putting it in. After tax dollars, right. they call that. So we're going to put that aside, but you can also lower your tax bracket by contributing to a HSA. We've had some fun episodes on HSAs, um, mm. donating to charitable organizations, uh, and there's a few other ways to do it uh, if you pay the right type of interest, things like that. But uh, yes, to answer your question, this is a way that you can kind of manage your tax bill the government, however, does say, let's say that you make a half a million dollars. You can't say, well, I only need 200000 to live, so I'm putting the rest in a 401k. The government will say, you are limited personally to $19,500 that you can put into a 401k each year. You can do a little bit extra once you hit age 50, but for the most part, that's the limit. Oh, okay. What is it? The catch-up contribution and the 19000 that changes every year, uh, or it can change every year. Right now, you get an extra 6500 if you're 50 or older. So once you hit 50, you can put an additional 6500 into your 401k. And this, this isn't a program that, like, I don't know, a corporation has to do. You can just, if you're self-employed, can you sort of 
out of thin air, you just go, I, my company now has a 401k program and I'm going to start yeah. putting my money over the yonder. There's something called a solo 401k that you can use if you own a business yourself and you are the only employee or you and your spouse. I will tell you, we're not going to get into this in the weeds today, but I've spent a fairly large amount of time in the past year helping people who jacked up the solo 401k and broke Uh the rules accidentally. And they spent a lot of money to unwind those mistakes. So if you're going to do a solo... Use a professional... If you're going to do a solo 401k, just make sure you're extremely familiar with the rules and pitfalls, because if you mess it up, you end up having to hire lawyers and accountants and financial planners, uh, depending on how bad you mess it up. There's little mistakes that could probably be fixed very easily, but um, there are some dragons lurking in the in that territory. So at the very least, you should go to your CPA and go, is this the right way to do this? <laughs> Yes, however, in every case, there has been a CPA who did not understand the rules. Oh, so brother. just we've we've talked we've had an episode on bad CPAs before. Um, they exist. Son Be of careful. A gun. Okay. So that's kind of the rules about how to put money in and when it can be tax free, how much you can put in. Uh, I didn't mention, but you we're going to talk about it in a second. Your company can match. Uh, the contributions you put in. Yeah. And they can even put more than you put in. There's things called uh, profit sharing where they can just decide to dump money in. They are limited to... So the the actual limit for a 401k is your company plus you get to put in $57,000 total. So if you have a super generous company and they just want to max you out, they can put all of that in and you don't put anything in. But... um, if you're, Bad. let's say you're putting in the 19 grand and your company is matching that, the first few percent, it's very normal right now. Uh, the, the normal match that I see is that they'll match 100% of the first 3% you put in of your income and 50% of the next four so that you get a 5% match. Uh, but there's, there's all sorts of ways. So you have to look at your plan document to figure out what your company's doing for you. But that's that's the money going inside. On the money coming outside, you are allowed to start taking penalty-free withdrawals from these accounts once you turn 59 and a half. Um, now, there's different ages that are important here. If you now, le- hold on. Let, let, hold on. Let's go back to money going in. So let's say I'm an employer that does a 2% match. Great. And... But I could increase the amount that I'm putting in on my own. Um, I could make that quite large, you know, based on my income. I could. I could you can never put in more than nineteen thousand five hundred if you're under age fifty. Okay, so that that fifty-seven is contingent upon uh, employer participation. The employer would would have to participate, and this is where people really like the solo four hundred one k. Because if you're a sole proprietor and you are the only employee, you can dump money into your four hundred one k on behalf of the company, which is really just you. But what I was going to say is it's important to know when you put money in, whether you're just putting in the minimum to get matching dollars from your employer or you're stuffing this thing like a pig, you need to know that generally it's age 59 and a half when you can start taking money out of these accounts. It's the same age with your IRA accounts. Um, If you take money out before that, you have to pay a penalty of 10%. And it really hoses the benefit of 
of doing this at all. So you really don't want money coming out early. Um, now, if you're age 55 and you have left the company but left money in the 401k plan the, of the company that you left, then they say you can go ahead and start taking it out early. So occasionally I have clients who we're working on stuff with and will say, instead of rolling this old 401k into an IRA, you're going to need it when you're 57. So let's leave it in the old company's 401k so you can start pulling from it with no penalties at age 55 instead of 59 and a half. Um, but as a rule, if you're in the middle of your career and you leave a company, you would roll that 401k out. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that in the oh, in this okay. little series. But um, the the other thing to know about withdrawals is that if you turn 72, let's say that you've got one of those pensions and you don't need your 401k money or you've got other money somewhere else, you just don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, once you turn 72, the government's going to start forcing you to take money out. And what they'll do is run a calculation for how long they think you'll live and say, we want an even number taken out every year. Um, Government wants its tax bite, don't they, Mark? And why do they do that, Stephen? It's because when this money comes out that you didn't pay taxes on, they're going to charge you income tax on that money. So... If you have a million dollars in a 401k and you pull out $40,000 when you're 70, you're going to get charged as if you went out and earned $40,000 of income at a job. That is all assuming you didn't do the Roth thing. If you did the Roth thing, then it's tax-free because you already already paid some income on it. Yeah. Um, I will throw in, if you do a Roth... The employer contributions that we talked about, you can put in the 19, your employer can put in up to 57 total. Um, The employer contributions are never allowed to be Roth. So those are always pre-taxed. So you're always going to get taxed on that money when it comes out. Your contributions are the only part that are allowed to be after tax and Roth. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're going to make this point. I'm sure we've made it many times here, but just just to be super clear on... Why is this a benefit to you? Maybe somebody would go, well, screw it. I'll just pay the tax now on that money, and then I'll, and then I'll build savings from, from there. The whole point is, number one, it's a larger chunk of money if it's pre-tax. So to, to have that money grow, to have a third more money that's growing for 40 years makes a huge difference. Um, and secondly... When you're in your prime earning years of your career, you are presumably at the in the highest tax bracket that you will be for the rest of your life is when you're when you're earning as much as you're going to be earning. When you're in your retirement years, if all of your income is coming from these programs like 401ks, you're in a much lower tax bracket. So it works out for you to pay taxes later on money that has mushroomed over the decades and it's coming out in small increments and you're in a lower tax bracket than to pay a whole bunch of money up front while you're in a higher tax bracket and you have much less money to grow long term. So it's such a winner that this is the winner of of 401ks is that that pre-tax money it's a, it's a can be a sizable chunk of money and then it grows years and years. And then the taxes that you pay, it doesn't hurt you as bad because you're in a lower tax bracket in, in retirement. That's the, that's the theory anyway. Right? Yeah. So that's all right. You, 
I hear a lot of people, especially that hang around us, that have kind of multi-generational mindsets thinking, well, I don't want to have my money tied up for some stereotypical retirement, move to Florida, play golf, and just draw income when I'm old because I'm going to want to be purchasing assets and uh, doing things with my money kind of in the near term. And to them, I say, the 401k can still be really valuable because um, with a portion of your money, having financial assets that can grow tax-free over the long haul, uh, those can create really impactful long-term multi-generational assets that don't happen until you're much older. Um, So I don't necessarily always recommend that people only have all of their resources in these things because then when there is an opportunity to start a business or, you know, purchase an asset or something, it's your money is pretty tied up. Um, But if you have as a leg of the stool tax deferred, financial assets, they can be extremely cool as inheritance vehicles, they can be really beneficial as uh, funding purchases later in life. Um, There's even ways to use them for charitable giving. So lots of good options, and they just grow faster. We've talked so much about the power of compound interest on this podcast. Um, You know, we talked about it when we were talking about 529 plans and saving for education. And 529 plans are kind of fun and interesting for 18 years for saving for a kid's college. But what the really gets us excited is when you can leave them there for 40 years because mm-hmm. they're tax deferred and they grow um, so much faster than money that's just sitting in a, a normal old investment account. Uh, well, with a 401k, if you're 25 listening to this, you've got 40 years to let it grow. And that money will will invest it properly. Um, do well for you over long periods of time. Yeah, you knocked on something that I wanted to ask about, which is if you are that uh, retiree who is is uh, sitting on a million dollars cash and doesn't need much out of the 401k, can, can a 401k as it is go into like a trust for, for inheritance purposes? Uh, no. So can they go into a trust? Well, I just mean, is there a way to pass along a 401k as an inheritance? That's all I mean. Yeah, absolutely. It's not going to change anything about the estate tax law or things like that. Um, And you will still have to do those distributions. The one thing that can't happen, you can't own a 401k in a trust. So it has to be in Stephen Manuel's name. It can't be in the Stephen Manuel Living Trust. Um, But when you die with stocks and bonds and things like that houses all sorts of assets you're uh the the person that you pass those assets on to um will get a step up in basis on on those assets so let's say you bought apple stock back when it was twenty dollars a share and now adjusted for the, all the splits it's done it's worth a thousand dollars a share normally if you just gave that uh to someone they're cost basis would still be $20 a share. They're going to owe enormous taxes whenever they sell that stock. But if you die and hand it to them through uh, passing it along as inheritance, then then they will actually get the step up in basis and they're not going to owe taxes on that if they sell it. So very nice uh, little feature of using stocks as inheritance vehicles. Um, 
but gotcha. we have lots to say about inheritance that you need to prep for if you're going to give big inheritances. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the, the basic rules of how they work. And I think the thing that's going to be most important to people is, okay, what should I do with, when my company says, hey, you're eligible to participate in a 401k? How much should I put aside? Uh, you mentioned there's other options that we've talked about, like other things you could invest in before or maybe not. Um, and yeah. then one of the things that almost all 401ks is, these days have is you have to pick the investments. So how, yes. how do I choose the investments that I want? That's um, a good question. And lastly, um, you know, what do I do if, if I change jobs and what should I do with my 401k? Yeah. Um, those are some really common questions that I deal with all the time. Which ones do you want to cover, if any, in this part one intro to 401k? I think we should say all these questions and more will be answered on the next exciting episode of the Abraham's Wallet Podcast. So thank you for the intro into 401ks. We'll sort of collect the, uh, the questions on the edges of this, and we'll, you'll, you'll certainly answer those things you just gave us um, next week. Yeah, my, my goal for the next one is really to give people, this was more academic and some of you listen to us because you're sort of interested in personal finance. So we might not have taught you a whole lot today. Uh, next week, I think I'm going to give you like, here is how to pull up the plan document oh. on your 401k and specifically go, here are the best investments for me. Great. Um, obviously, I won't be able to tell you which investments because every plan has different investments, but there's some really good rules of thumb and there's some there's some gotchas uh, when you change jobs that people sometimes don't know about that causes them to lose money. So, so if you got if you just got your first, you're 23, you just got your first corporate gig, you're you're starting to get paychecks, and you're wondering, ha ha, what am I supposed to do with this? This is going to be a hand holding through making that making that go. Or if you're 43 and you've got a half a million dollars in a 401k, but just switch jobs and are saying. That seems like a lot of money. Do I want to roll it over into a new plan, leave it in the old plan, or move it out into an IRA? How do I make that call? We're going to talk about all that stuff. Awesome. Terrific. Okay, thanks, Mark. We'll see you again. Adios. Adios.